Matt, we use Anchor.fm for the Bill Simmons Podcast podcast. Anchor.fm allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And it's free. Anchor will not only let you record and edit, you can also distribute your podcast to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more through Anchor. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, which is handy for the Bill Simmons Podcast podcast. Anchor.fm has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. The Bill Simmons Podcast podcast. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Matt. Matt, once again, three episodes of the Bill Simmons podcast for us to talk about on the Bill Simmons podcast podcast. However, one of them, a terrible uh, recycling of a live Twitter show with zero context. Uh, That was the second episode of the week, the Zion sweepstakes and heartbroken Knicks fans. That, by the way, one hour, 58 minutes and 43 seconds. That succeeded. Kawhi kills Philly. No KD, no problem. Houston's curse in the throne game with Ryan Rosillo. At two hours, 10 minutes, and 13 seconds, and the week was capped with a two-hour, eight-minute, and 52-second 2019 Zion hype versus 2003 LeBron hype, Beyonce versus Adele, and the death of albums with Joe House and Zane Lowe. Before we go any further, would you like to do any sort of introduction, Matt? I have nothing. Listen carefully. The Bill Simmons Podcast Podcast, presented by no one. We do this for free, which is why it sounds so bad. On the first episode of the week, Pearl Jam started at two minutes and seven seconds, followed approximately a minute and a half later by this swallow. You had the box score in front of you, and neither of us realized he was at 30 shots. At 12 minutes and one second, Bill talked about tweeting during the Toronto-Philadelphia Game 7, saying at that point he was rooting for Philadelphia. With about eight minutes left, I think I tweeted, I thought Toronto was going to win unless Butler just had one of those six, you seven You were kind of runs. funny in this game. Bill then goes on and on about his hate and disdain, not only for Philadelphia, but for fans of the Philadelphia sports teams. It dawned on me how annoying and insufferable the Philly fans are going to be if they got out of this series. And he says that Philadelphia fans are insufferable. Yeah, we told you, Simmons the point guard, yeah! I'm not sure that's not true, (laughs) but Boston fans suck. Because then the Philly special Super Bowl stuff started coming back. I'm like, I hope they have a devastating loss. And they probably suck worse than Philadelphia fans, right? Especially now that they just win all the time. And they love to tell you about it. My only exposure to fans of Boston sports teams is Bill Simmons. So with that as my data set, I will say yes. Yes, thank you. Incontrovertibly, Boston fans suck. The point then is this. He says that Philadelphia fans are insufferable. He is a Boston fan, and he is insufferable. Matt, you have to take this. Uh, as a point of uh, pride, he's still bitter about the Philly special. I love it. it. Every time he brings it up, it fills me with joy. At 1433, Bill Simmons attempts to speak about Joel Embiid limping during Game 7, and instead, this came out of his mouth. What I, yeah, with Embiid thing, at that point, you might he's, he's limping around anyway. I think it's the front-runner for the Joe Bluth Award for inability to speak. Also in contention for the Bill Simmons Joe Bluth Award for inability to speak. At 1448, he proceeds to swallow with Asso. That's and also he was playing like crazy defense on the other end. I think it was more realistic. At 15 and a half minutes into this podcast, he yawns. And he's I, seven foot three. And he, I mean, Nick Nurse. It's not the last yawn in this podcast, and they get worse. At 2335, a swallow. Harris. I, in March, you would have said Harris was the likeliest to stay. I can't say I was that impressed by him in these playoffs. 
at 48 minutes and 10 seconds, Bill says he wishes he hadn't picked the Rockets. And I and I really regret picking them to win the title. Yeah, because they lost. Yes. At 53-57, two more swallows. Even so, three weeks ago on this podcast, I would rather had Harden. To me, it was Harden and Durant were the two signature guys in the playoffs. I think as the playoffs went along, I just think it's harder for him to do what he does. And 30 seconds later, another swallow. Draymond. Clay Gordon was a good... Then, Matt, a series of mouth and head noises. <laughs> it begins at 110.05 with this. I think it's really meaningful to them. I, I, I wrote a whole book about the secret to basketball and all that stuff. Which I think is either a swallow or a burp, but I would not be willing to go as far as wagering my own money that it's not a yawn. About 20 minutes later, we hear this, which I wrote down also a swallow burp. No, not Chris... Not Chris Paul. Do you take issue with that? The first one I wrote down as audible yawn while he's talking. And the second one I wrote down as really, all caps, loud yawn. So you think they're yawns. I think they're I, swallows and burps. It's possible. The one he was, while he was talking, he was just making a noise. At 134, I considered this one to be a yawn. If he ends up with the Knicks, does that change whatever their other plans are? 134, I have really loud yawn. Now, at 135.55, Bill Simmons talks about how he had stayed off Twitter. You know right. Magic had a tweet tonight. Did you see it? I did not did, see the tweet. You... I stayed off Twitter. Remember at the beginning of this <laughs> podcast, some two or three minutes ago, how I mentioned that 12 minutes and one second of the podcast, he talks about tweeting? Yes. I With about eight minutes left, I think I tweeted. I don't know how he can align these two diametrically opposed facts that he stayed off Twitter and also tweeted. I think I tweeted that I stayed off Twitter. I mean, I suppose what he could do is say, I did not read Twitter at all, but I, I only tweeted, which seems like a bunch of bullshit. Uh, it's like saying I read Playboy for the articles. Bill did say right before that, that he believed Steph Curry to be not underrated, but was undervalued. I still think he's weirdly undervalued. I don't think he's underrated. I think he's a little undervalued. I thought about this for a while, and I still don't know what he meant. Everybody doesn't underrate him, but then thinks he's not that valuable. But wouldn't that make him underrated? I do think it's a distinction without a difference. <laughs> he's got the corner on not making sense. <laughs> At 140 and 54 seconds, they throw it to Kyle for his input on Game of Thrones facts. And Matt, I know you love the way this was handled from a technological standpoint. I don't know. I don't Kyle? No, Do you I'm understand not, it? I'm not a topographer. I have no idea. I don't understand it either. I think we're just supposed to brush past it. No, Mike. They ask him questions. They clearly don't know the answer. He talks. There's no Mike. Maybe even in the moment they thought, well, we can hear it. But then Kyle, the individual speaking, goes back and edits the podcast and presumably would see, oh, you can't hear what I'm saying because I don't have a mic. This is like the third or fourth time in weeks that they have done this. There was a picture that Simmons tweeted over the weekend or possibly today that purported to show the Talk to Thrones team. It was like 15 or 20 people. You would think if they have 15 or 20 people producing a show for Twitter, they could get one more microphone that Kyle could talk into on occasion. You would think. At 1.45 and 17 seconds, this snort. <laughs> He's not an appetizer. <laughs> and at one hour and 55 minutes, Bill Simmons screams. <laughs> Like the Rambo First Blood Part 2? Now, I don't want to give any spoilers away, so I will give anyone uh, 
who is both a huge fan of podcasts about the <laughs> Bill Simmons podcast, as well as individuals who are big Game of Thrones fans who are somehow listening to this but have not yet watched <laughs> the uh, penultimate episode of Game of Thrones, the opportunity to turn it off. Can you imagine a person <laughs> who, who prioritizes <laughs> this podcast so much that they watch, listen to this first? Bill imitates Grey Worm's yell when Danny goes off her meds. That's Daenerys, not Daenerys. And he compares the yell to Rambo, First Blood Part 2. Now, this is almost two hours in. But at one hour, 59 minutes, and 30 seconds, Rusillo is doing a play-by-play of, again, spoiler, the Clegane Bowl. And during his play-by-play, Bill audibly sighs. (laughs) Twice. But then you... He's managed to up his level of boredom beyond yawning to sighing at his guests. But then you... He also mentioned grilled bacon again. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, I missed it. And at two hours and seven minutes, Ryan and Bill have a scream off as they imitate Kevin Harlan's call of Kawhi's game-winning shot. Oh! And he's like, oh! <laughs> it's just, oh! That was so good. It was. Oh! We loved it. Oh! Oh, sorry, Matt. I want to be specific. He did win the game with that shot, but he also won the series ending the 76ers season. I appreciate that. Ryan said that he loves Tywin Lannister. Tywin <laughs> Lannister sucks. He's a terrible, he's like the, probably one of the most obvious villains in the whole show. Just thought he was a good character and thought he was cunning. So the second episode of the week was a repurposed Twitter video that then became a, a podcast. This was bullshit. Yeah. It was clearly not made for an audio-only medium. Before we get to the repurposed video show on an audio podcast, 45 seconds in, there's a conversation about how Cousin Kyle's roommate got a Lisa mattress. Please tell us, Neff, how much have you enjoyed the Lisa? I've enjoyed it so much that my roommate went out and bought one. Oh, by the way, they gave him a mic to talk about the fucking mattress. (laughs) The best part is, here's what we know about Kyle. Likes to smoke, likes to drink, has an on and off girlfriend. Also is a Game of Thrones expert, only relative to Ryan and Bill. Here's what we know about his roommate. He's impressed by mayonnaise (laughs) and somehow, based just on Cousin Kyle's love for a mattress, (laughs) purchased his own mattress. Cousin Kyle is the true influencer. (laughs) At two minutes and 15 seconds into the pre-recorded or post-recorded intro to the Draft Lottery video podcast, Bill Swallows. Here's what we're going to do. Listen carefully. Keep in mind, (laughs) this is something he's recorded after a show has already aired, but before it's repurposed for audio, and he still leaves this in. A 355 Pearl Jam. When they were talking about this before they went to the the actual live segment that had been recorded earlier, Bill is saying, if you want to skip this, props to Bill for realizing that nobody wants to listen to this. He started going about, well, if you go to about this time, there was absolutely no attempt to be accurate with the time. At about the one hour mark... Rusillo and I do the, uh, all right, here's, this ladder just happened. Here are instant reactions. And that's going to go for about another half hour. And then around, I'm going to say the hour, what would we say? Hour, hour 40. Probably. Hour 40 range. And then he asked Kyle and Kyle be like, oh yeah, around there. It was like, <laughs> you were just expected to go to that area and kind of surf back and forth until you found the right spot. Now, Matt, you and I both had a problem with the repurposing of the Twitter show as a podcast. If you are not watching the Twitter show while you're watching the draft lottery, 
They give you no information as to what the f*** is going on. There was a ton of silence. It just made no sense. I don't understand how this was going to work as a live Twitter show. I mean, <laughs> do they really think you're going to have the draft lottery on live and then the Twitter show on, on your laptop or something as sort of a counterpoint? No, I think they thought you would like to listen to this. But you don't know what's happening. They yeah. don't tell you what the f*** is happening. I know. So they're just reacting to stuff <laughs> and you're supposed to catch up. Yes. It's absurd. At also, night, in the beginning of it, Bill forgot that State Farm was the sponsor. <laughs> that they had to remind him. <laughs> At least the people who work for him seem competent. <laughs> At 9.01, there's a discussion of the oft-repeated Bill Simmons conspiracy theory that the Patrick Ewing draft lottery was rigged. And part of his theory is that the envelope was frozen. Yeah. Potentially, this permits, as Russillo pointed out, a mustachioed David Stern, <laughs> then NBA commissioner, to choose the coldest envelope. <laughs> There's also a concern maybe that it had a folded edge. Bill thought possibly the freezing process was done with like carbon whatever. Freeze the envelope, put like carbon whatever Do you, on it. I love how he brings his deep science background into the podcasting because this could only be one of two things. One, he thinks it's liquid carbon dioxide, which does include the word carbon and is freezing cold. Sure. Or he thinks it's carbonite. I assumed he was talking about Star Wars. <laughs> Which is yeah. what, on Bespin, Darth oh, Vader right. used to freeze Han Solo, which then permitted Jabba the Hutt to use Han Solo as a wall hanging. <laughs> Either way, he gave us just enough information to sound down. It was definitely that he thought it was carbonite. Also, when they're talking about the envelope thing, uh, Rosillo is sort of reciting the theory and, and kind of agreeing with Bill that maybe something could have happened. And he says... Also, you know how old people are with envelopes in general. Like, you know how older people can be with envelopes in general? No. <laughs> and he never follows up. Like, are old people notoriously, is it notoriously hard for them to use envelopes? They point out that he's middle-aged. <laughs> he's not old at the time. And also, even if old people are envelope-averse, does that prevent them from picking out envelopes? <laughs> at 11 minutes in. There's a discussion about the Cavs getting two early picks in the lottery in successive years, which Bill said, that raised my eyebrow. That raised my eyebrow. Just the one. At 1330, a couple of snorts surrounding Bill's declaration, I'm sorry, I don't like incompetence. I just you are just ruling out. I'm sorry, out, I don't right. like incompetence. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What about immigration? <laughs> I love immigration. <laughs> uh Oh, the irony. There could be two ways that incompetence can be spelled. One is with a CE at the end, which suggests the act of being incompetent. The other way is ENTS, which is more than one person who is an incompetent. Yes. It's possible to read this this way. He does not like incompetence, but he is willing to suffer a single incompetent because <laughs> of Kyle. <laughs> I you just are like, just ruling out. I'm sorry, out. I don't right. like incompetence. I'm sorry. If you're wondering what I mean by Cousin Kyle described as an incompetent, listen to this. What's going on with Kyle? <laughs> what? You, you, you realize we're doing a podcast, right? You guys heard that. Another point of interest on this show, and of course they're filling time, which is totally arbitrary, <laughs> because they could have started their Twitter show whenever they wanted. Yes. As the <laughs> draft lottery begins, 20 seconds before, five minutes before. So to fill the time, Bill begins his rundown of teams with draft karma. And it became more and more clear, I think even to Bill himself, that he does not know what the f*** karma is. All right, so no karma whatsoever. I have two teams on this list. I wrote this down. Uh, the other team that has no karma whatsoever is the Lakers. 
Okay, but it's not no karma. This is this is in the you don't have any good karma. So no karma for the Lakers is yeah. my in my yeah that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So next, no good karma. Bill wrote uh, this list of questions to determine who had the most karma. Never once did I hear him apply it to any of them. No. He then just was like, and here's my list. Here's the next one on the list. Here's the, <laughs> now, so I looked up karma, Matt, using the internet. According to aboutbuddhism.org, every action we perform leaves an imprint or potential on our very subtle mind, and each karmic potential eventually gives rise to its own effect. Our mind is like a field, and performing actions is like sowing seeds in that field. Jesus Christ. If you leave this in, Matt... Positive or virtuous actions sow the seeds of future happiness, and negative or non-virtuous actions sow the seeds of future suffering. This definite relationship between actions and their effects, virtue causing happiness and non-virtue causing suffering, is known as the law of karma. A cereal bowl of karma points. How is it that you <laughs> put your karma in a bowl when you're an NBA team? It's a mystery. The idea does have its place in the NBA. There's some teams that are dipshit. They make bad decisions, they screw over fans, they screw over their players. You can see how they would then have bad karma. Some teams have good karma as a result of suffering, or their virtuousness, or the fact that they have solid individuals working for them. He doesn't do anything to explain this. He doesn't do anything to say whether or not he's ranking teams' good karma versus their bad karma. It's just this flight of fancy that he uses as an outline to get to the draft lottery, which is what he should have done the whole time, except for when he actually got to it, it made no sense. <laughs> and just to showcase how little thought Bill gave into this whole karma exercise, both Ryan and subsequently Bill admit they do not know what the criteria is for it. I didn't know what the criteria was for the whole thing. Like, basically, uh, I still he, don't either. At 26.10, he snorts. Okay. <laughs> and at 33.30, Matt, a point of irritation for me, he had this terrible, but in this case, censored, unworn spoiler for Game of Thrones on a live show, which means if you were one of the dipshits <laughs> that chose to watch this Twitter show as it occurred, why you would want to do that, I have no idea. But if you chose to do it and you're a Game of Thrones fan who was time delaying it, you're boned with no warning whatsoever. Like the Thrones, when he gives his own life to kill a lot of dignity there. Spoiler alert. Sorry. There was a cool moment where Bill said uh, something like, I've really studied this Milwaukee series. And then Ryan, like the Bill deserves says, Really? What did you study? And then Bill, unable to answer that question, because he didn't study the Milwaukee series. He's just talking out of his. The Bill deserves? Yeah, I meant like, uh, he, like, <laughs> like he's an asshole to Bill, and Bill has earned that, and usually people aren't like that to him on the podcast. At 3830, Bill, who is heaping praise on the Spurs, says he does not want to say that he is turning this into a big jerk circle. It's like a, a big jerk circle if, for the Spurs. If, <laughs> Again. This is the second time he's used this since we've been recording our podcast about the Bill Simmons podcast. I think he means circle jerk. I don't know what a jerk circle is. Bill also wonders aloud, after it's already happened, if he can use the profanity jerk circle on a live show, <laughs> then asks that it be retroactively beeped, then realizes you can't beep something <laughs> That occurred in the past. Five. Can you boot retroactively? Uh, I guess I not. just don't want to be a. F the pick by pick coverage on this show was god awful. As the picks are being displayed, presumably on a TV to Bill and Ryan and the rest of the staffers, we had no idea what was going on. None. They did not do us the favor of telling us what was going on. They didn't tell us what pick was up, what team had the pick, what team had the best odds for the pick, who got the pick, 
and whether or not the team receiving the pick did so in a statistically surprising way. Mostly what they did was groan and grunt. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. And not review what actually transpired, which makes it very challenging to listen to the show after the fact. It probably made it a real bitch to watch it. Subsequently, during the 51st minute, Rusillo riffs, which someone in the audience, and I believe it was Concepcion, finds hilarious, <laughs> at least judging by this terrifying cackle. <laughs> Definitely Concepcion. He returns at approximately one hour with ongoing cackles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was that. It was very disconcerting, and I feel like any babies in the area <laughs> likely were stillborn. Not where I saw that joke going. <laughs> and then even though they bring Concepcion onto the mic to discuss it, they ask Haley, O'Shaughnessy, presumably, what the Twitter reaction is to the draft. And she gives them an answer off mic. <laughs> what are they saying on the internets? What's the big topic right now? They're mad. They're mad at which, at New Orleans getting it? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, it's mind-numbing. You're recording audio for consumption by other people. Are you just asking them to yell? You already know that Concepcion has to get on the mic. <laughs> Why don't you just wave Haley up as you're formulating the question and then ask her and she can speak it into the mic. At approximately one hour and 27 minutes, Simmons asks Ryan, apparently sincerely, if Ryan thinks Golden State would try to win the first and or second game of the series, <laughs> even if they don't have Durant. Do you think Golden State tries to win both of these games without bringing KD back? What did he think the alternative was? Presumably, they will just lose so that Durant can come back and then be a hero and they will win the rest? Golden State could win, but very slowly <laughs> to permit Durant's strained calf more time to rehabilitate. Like maybe several overtimes. Yes. There's a discussion about speed rush. You know, they tried to speed rush a contender with those guys. This is redundant and makes no sense. <laughs> you're rushing through something or speeding through something, but you don't need to say you're speed rushing it. But the reason it makes no sense is because this is a sports podcast. And as such, it occasionally touches on the sport of football, where speed rush is actually a defensive tactic. It has nothing to do with the speed with which you attempt to build your team in the NBA. At 147.10, they swallow. Well, well see, it was even better than that, though, because you had 14%. The Lakers had 2%. Yes. I think Memphis was 6 And I think New Orleans was also 2%. And the third podcast of the week featured Joe House and someone named Zane Lowe who is either from New Zealand or Australia and is some sort of Apple guy or something. New Zealand. Never explained. And his son is friends with Bill's son, possibly as the band members of Tic Tac and Melatonin. I think that his one son is either Tic Tac or Melatonin, unclear who is who. And his other son is the producer, who according to Bill and Zane, seems to be some sort of wonderkind. You kind of already touched on this. I really got the impression that we were supposed to know who this guy was. Yeah. <laughs> If he's just a buddy of Bill's, like House or uh, Jacko, that's fine. I accept that. But tell us. He's I, just a buddy of mine. Yeah, he kept talking about him like he had some radio show, and then he did something for Apple, possibly yeah. for iTunes. Yeah, I don't know. Pearl Jam, four minutes and nine seconds. Not Tic Tac and Melatonin. Wouldn't this have been the episode? The beginning of this podcast consists of Bill trying to convince House that the Zion hype is bigger or greater than the LeBron hype. Craziness. I actually think Zion had more hype because I think there's more ways to hype somebody in 2019. 
This is insane. And I will say, on the Bill Simmons subreddit, he took a lot of heat for this. Because this is just nuts. It's such revisionist history. I mean, we always kind of uh, accuse Bill of recency bias. But this is insane. I mean, Hal said this. There were televised high school games with yeah. LeBron James on it because he was such a... And frankly, other than Jordan, he's the second best player. I mean, he's the second best player ever. And it seems like everybody knew that when he was coming out. I mean, I think Zion is going to be really good. And I think he's one of those like once a decade, once every seven years kind of prospects. But I don't think anybody right now is saying... Zion Williams is probably going to be the second or third greatest basketball player ever to play. Zion didn't even become the number one guy on the Duke team until no. the Duke season started. Yes, it was R.J. Barrett. The hype was only around his athletic ability, not about him being what Bill likes to call a generational talent or generational yeah. player. It's really strange. Bill has been high on Zion all year. Also, Bill bases his uh, the entirety of his college basketball analysis on like four games in the tournament that he watched. Bad analysis. And I think Zion has more hype. 45 minutes and 15 seconds, Bill tells House that Bill told his wife he was going to spend the whole weekend watching sports. I was like, I'm watching sports all weekend. And then he tells House that his wife wondered how that was any different from any other weekend. She's like, well, how is that different than any other weekend? And Bill says he tells his wife he's telling her that so she can prepare for it. I was like, but I'm just laying it out here now. I don't want you to be surprised. (laughs) But if she believes that every weekend he's going to do nothing but watch sports, she probably knows that every weekend she should prepare (laughs) For him to do nothing but watch sports. Yes. So earlier this week, I can't remember if it was on the first or second podcast, Bill said that he thinks it's better to tank around a young superstar. And he compared, or the example he used was the Sonics when they drafted Durant. They didn't try and be good right away. They built around him. They got some pieces. And eventually, as the Thunder, they became you know a real contender. He then says, I think that Zion, Holiday, and Anthony Davis could probably win 52 games. And that would be a really good thing for Zion. Chris, those are in con- conflict with one another, those two positions. <laughs> yes. Either you lose or you win, yeah. but you can't do both at the same time. Bill says to House, one time Bill spoiled Game of Thrones. Yes. And then his website did. I had no idea what to expect from Zane Lowe. As we pointed out, I have no idea who this person is. But it turns out he seems like a pretty genuine guy. He does he have a boy band name. Very boy band yeah. right? The nice thing about Zane is, He brought his swallow and delicious game to the pod. (laughs) Let's listen to some of the highlights as Bill and Zane compare their swallows and things they find delicious. They paint a very romantic picture out of it. Mm. Whereas Crowder, but I mean, you know, that was lofty Mm. in itself. Cast no shadow. That song is massive. Like they matter. So we just decided it's a huge rock band. Well, how many bands who came out this century Mm. 10 years ago. Mm. What I considered to be, I mean, I, I never felt like iTunes was a place to go around much time. You know what mm. I mean? Let me dive. 03 or 04 with, with Apple. Mm. The discovery factor. Because mm. that's a big part of the pod too. Like, mm. we're amazing. And so I just. This is now a new episode of Parent Corner. Mm. As a friend mm. of mine's go, and one of the areas of different sports <laughs> and stuff, but mm. he's, he's really, he likes baseball and that's it. Mm, mm, mm. Back to Michael McDonald. Mm. They had this old school classic rock sound. Mm. And then they bring in McDonald, who is like one of like the comets of that whole era from like a songwriting, just melody standpoint, mm. square in Boston. Mm. You know, Laurel was like, you can see. Here's some bullshit. Zane thought he knew who his son was going to be from the moment his son was born. I wrote that down. I really feel this. You know, I looked at Jackson on the birthing table when he was born and he is exactly who he is to this day. I mean, it was so cliche. His actual the essence of who he is as a human being was right there on his face when he came out. 
he said something like you could see it in his eyes, like from the moment he was born. I saw who he was as a human being. It's ridiculous. Here's I mean, it's like something you write in a greeting card. Paternal is the adjective that is used <laughs> to describe the father's side. And maternal is the adjective used to describe the mother's side. Which is why I was shocked when at 124.50, Bill said that his daughter was always going to be paternal toward his son. <laughs> yes. Older daughter is always going to be paternal toward the younger son. And I... His daughter was always going to adopt a father-like attitude toward young Benson. A few minutes later, Zane believes, I think in what has to be considered just kissing Bill's ass, that Yacht Rock led to dance music because it brought heartbreak to the dance floor. <laughs> Did people dance to Yacht Rock? The thing about Yacht Rock as well is in many respects, it was kind of a precursor to Jam and Lewis and, and what they achieved and ultimately what house music went on to achieve and other certain genres of music and styles and artists and producers where they put heartbreak on the dance floor. I think Zane is just a cliche machine. He says things that aren't true, but maybe sound good when they come out of his mouth. <laughs> Bill wonders if it's possible at one hour and 48 minutes into the third episode of the week if the best time to see a band might be when they have a lot of good songs and they're at the peak of their powers, he thinks yes. Yes. But like sometimes when they have a little more of a catalog and they're at the peak of their powers, that's a good time. Also, I'm going to complain now. Do it. I have some Pearl Jam related complaints. Chris, you know, I'm a big Pearl Jam fan. You have a Pearl Jam tattoo. Don't. Bill refers to 1998 as peak Pearl Jam. First of all, that's just not true. I'm not sure what I would consider peak Pearl Jam. It's definitely not 98. It's probably like 93, 94. At that point, 10 and Verses are out. Everybody loves them. The grunge scene has sort of exploded. Their shows were crazy. Zane then says, yeah, wasn't that right around the time of Backspacer? Chris, Backspacer came out in 2009. That's 11 years later. These two guys don't know what they're talking about. And that's fine. I don't know what I'm talking about with other kinds of music. But don't act like you know what you're talking about if you don't. Especially when you're like Zane, apparently a music industry yeah. professional. Yeah, and then he, he kind of backtracked a little bit. It was like, oh, no, I forgot about this album. There were, and this is a rough count because I can't remember off the top of my head. I think from 1998 to the time Backspacer came out, there were at least three Pearl Jam albums in that time that are not Backspacer. At two hours and three minutes, Bill was making a comparison between sports coverage and pop culture coverage. And he says... If Beyonce was in sports. Like if Beyonce was in sports. The man who self-touts as riding at the confluence of sports and popular culture cannot on the fly come up with what sport Beyonce would be in, <laughs> but simply says if she was in sports. Not if she played sports, if she was in sports. As if sports is a place or a dimension that you can occupy. And finally, as Zane puts forth his theory about Jon Snow, Bill agrees. Was he listening? You be the judge. One way for no one to have Jon Snow is for no one to survive. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Please join us live on Twitter this week as we react to the first episode of the 1980 season of Dallas. <laughs> Who shot JR? We'll watch but not describe it right <laughs> along with you several seconds later. As always, my name is Chris. <laughs> I'm Matt. <laughs> <laughs>